Locked on NBA. The biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories across the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we go to Portland to speak with Mike Richmond of Locked On Blazers about Larry Nance coming across in a three-team deal. On the other side of that deal, we go to Cleveland to speak with Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs about the Cavaliers acquiring Lowry Markinen. And lastly, we go to Los Angeles to speak with Andy Kamenetsky of Locked On Lakers about the news that Rajon Rondo could be rejoining the Lakers after being bought out from the Memphis Grizzlies. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, and I'm the lead analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. Big trade uh, happening over the last couple of days. We're going to talk about that from a couple of perspectives, as well as some news on the Lakers and some uh, and some moves that they're making and uh, what's happening with the uh, with the Marcus Sol situation there as well. So let's get to it. Actually, before we get to it, today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Blazers fans might have been sweating this offseason with Damian Lillard, perhaps a little bit concerned with some of the or the direction of the front office and Neil O'Shea and the roster and building towards a championship. And you know, the first couple of weeks of the offseason with Cody Zeller and Ben McLemore and Tony Snell, I don't really think would have got it done for Damian, but... Mike Richmond of Locked On Blazers is here to talk to me about the uh, the moves that did go, or the move that did go down over the last couple of days, and that is bringing in Larry Nance. Is this a move that will appease Damian Lillard? It depends on what you mean, Josh. Uh, I think pretty. I, I think the Blazers had a pretty good offseason. Like I, I, people are really critical, and and prior to the Larry Nance thing, I think they had not had one. But with, all told, like getting Cody Zeller on a on a minimum deal, and this trade that they made, just a, a lottery protected first round pick, Derek Jones for Larry Nance. Like this is a good offseason. I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to be too harsh on them. But was it a good enough offseason to put sort of push them over the top to make them a contender? I don't know. I think Larry Nance makes them better. I think he helps. I think he solidifies a top seven rotation of, of pretty decent basketball players. But does he take them from being a pretty good basketball team to something more? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, that's the thing. Look, there's no doubt that it's an improvement, especially defensively when you're running Anthony Simons, Ennis Cantor, and Carmelo Anthony as your bench players uh, throughout the playoffs last year, and none of them can defend anything. You're getting Larry Nance in, who's a very good defender. He's also a pretty good passer. He's probably the best passer out of those uh, those three guys that were running that bench unit last year as well. It's a significant upgrade. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that has had significant trouble staying healthy with knee problems, thumb issues, back problems throughout his career. And that is something that he needs to shake. He's not particularly young. He's not old, but he's, I guess he fits in the timeline with Nurkic and Lillard and, and McCullum there as well. Do you think that um, Nance is going to be someone that they they slot in and start and put Norman Powell back into that bench role that he played so well in Toronto, sliding Robert Covington down to the three and putting those you know really good defenders in the front court? Or will he just be that guy that plays you know, back up four, back up five? Plays along Covington at times when they go super big in that 3-4 lineup coming off the bench. I do not think he starts. Uh, I think the Blazers are really committed to the Dame, CJ, Norm, Robert Covington, and Yusuf Nurkic starting lineup. Uh, The front office has been pimping that out all offseason as one of the elite starting groups in the league, which the numbers say they are, but we all watch the playoffs, Josh. We know how it ended. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the starting group. I think Nance is your backup four 
Uh, I think hopefully they'll play him in some small lineups with him and Covington as, as your four five. And hopefully we see some jumbo lineups too, with him at the three. I know he played a little bit of three last year with the Cavs, uh, not where I would deploy him, but worth, worth taking a look. I just didn't see like, you know, how many plus defenders you can get on the floor next to Damon CJ. Yeah, and look, even if he's if he's out there at, as the three, like you can just make Covington the three anyway. So like they're not going to be out there too much. Where Nance is playing the three alongside Cody Zeller and Yusuf Nurkic together, or something crazy like that. They don't actually have any other fours on this team unless you. Can. Yeah, they don't have exactly. The, he's the only power forward on the whole roster, so it's, it's his spot to to play. Yeah, unless you're counting yeah Nasir Little, which I don't think you really are as a as a four. He's more of a of a three four combo like Covington and like so many of these guys who have been filling in that position. Um, you know, when Damian Lillard is making subtle, not trade requests, but subtle rumblings, I guess, about you know, what he's thinking with the future and you know, reports are leaking out and, you know, the, I guess, frustration with the way that the roster has been constructed at times. Is this something that, that does that does help his thinking there? Is this something that pushes Portland from a first-round exit team into a conference finalist-type contender? I don't think you could say... I mean, I think it puts them in the conversation. I have trouble sitting here now and saying, like, this is... Um, Adding, you know, the upgrade from from Carmelo Anthony to Larry Nance Jr. is the difference in winning, uh, whatever it was, seven more playoff games, six more playoff games. That seems unlikely. Uh, that seems like maybe too much to heap on Larry Nance, even though I'm a big fan of his game. Uh, I think it puts them in the convo. This is a weird year, you know, depending on Jamal Murray's health and Kawhi Leonard's health and uh, what happens with the Lakers with um, an aging and somewhat injury-prone roster. Like, there could be an opening for for a team like Portland to make a a push, but that would be, that would be quite a surprise. So I think it makes the Blazers better. And I think making the Blazers better helps Dame's future with the franchise. But this was not the, this was not the sort of foundation shaking, you know, all in go for it move. This was a solid, this was a solid off season piece that makes the Blazers a little bit more competitive. And the question is, what does a little bit more competitive feel like when we get to May? Yeah, it's, it's exactly right. Now, I think any time that you're in a situation with a guy who's on the the older side of his career, like Damian Lillard, not that he's old, but you know he's 30, 31, whatever, whatever age he is, he's not, he's not 24. Let's put it that way. And you, you come in and you trade a future first round pick away. I think that does tend to help with those players in that they're like, well, you're not, you're not worrying about the future. You're trying to do something for now, regardless of if it's getting in Larry Nance or if it's a foundational type move. Like you are fine with sacrificing a future asset to get someone in to help now. And I think that does help um, that thought process with players. Now, of course, this trade was part of a three-way deal with Cleveland, which Cleveland bringing in someone like Larry Markin, which we're going to talk about with the Locked On Cavs host later on, bringing in Larry Markin makes the future of Kevin Love maybe a little bit more cloudy there in Cleveland. Kevin Love, of course, everybody knows he is from the Portland area. Is there any interest in them looking to perhaps um, make another move for a, a Cavs forward? I think typically the Kevin Love rumors have been um, people who are neither Kevin Love nor the Trailblazers saying like, what a wonderful marriage this would be. But I think Kevin has openly said, I believe it was on the Chris Haynes podcast, that like he would, you know, he would fancy a chance to return to Portland and be meaningful to him. Uh, the Blazers are going to go into the season with just 14 players on the roster. They are going to um, utilize the F word and that's flexibility. Uh, I would probably use another word and that is uh, being cheap, but you know, it's, they, they're going to, they're going to keep a a spot open. Yeah. And they do it all the time. They always do that. 
Who knows? Who knows what happens? Whether um, Cleveland's going to buy out $60 million worth of Kevin Love's contract. Probably unlikely, but there is things that can happen throughout the season. It is interesting to see how this all pans out because, as you mentioned, the Western Conference is very weird. There are injuries to, to you know, high-seeded teams with Kawhi and Jamal Murray. There's the Lakers. There's that unknown. Anyone could sneak in. We saw it happen in the Eastern Conference last year. We saw it happen with Portland two, three years ago to sneak into the Western Conference Finals. And we're going to have it covered for everybody about the Portland side of things over on Locked On Blazers with Mike throughout the season. Mike, thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Josh, thanks so much for having me. If you have problems with excessive sweating, it can be embarrassing for everyone involved. Sweatblock is the product that you need. Have you never heard of Sweatblock? Well, you need to hear about it now. It is doctor created, doctor recommended, and it works for up to seven days per use. There's also the dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. You can wear whatever you want to wear. Sweatblock is going to keep you covered for up to seven days, giving you that supreme confidence to not have those unsightly armpit stains through excessive sweating. Now, this is a problem, again, that no one wants to have to deal with, whether at work, whether at home. You don't want to have these big pit stains. So what you do, get sweat block, get the wipes. Before you go to bed, you wipe it under your arms. You go to bed. You wake up the next morning. You have a wash. You go off to work, and sweat block will have you covered for up to seven days. Sometimes you put it on twice a week, but that's it. It's not an everyday thing. It's not every couple of hours. These are one of the strongest clinical antiperspirants that you can find, and they are tested on firefighters. How hot does their work environment get? Firefighters, they use and they swear by Sweatblock, and you can get it 20% off at sweatblock.com using our promo code LOCKEDON. You can also get it at Amazon and at CVS, but 20% off at sweatblock.com. That's where you need to be going. General managers ask questions all the time to try and find the right players. Do they have ice in their veins? questions of that nature and so forth. When you're hiring, you can use Indeed assessments to help make sure you find candidates with the skills that you need. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools will help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed, you can get in there to help hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. A $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so here he is, the man, one of the hosts of the Locked On Cavs podcast. Chris Manning is here with us on Locked On NBA. Chris the Cavs have made a move. They have decided to acquire Larry Markin in a sign-and-trade. They're sending out Larry Nance. Despite Larry Nance being, I guess, the face of the franchise and the heart and soul of this team, he didn't really fit in with the, the time frame uh, of the other young players on the squad. Larry Markin's acquisition and the amount that they pay him, three years guarantee, partial guarantee in the fourth year for, what, $60-plus million overall, I think the contract is. It is a little strange, considering the re-signing of Jared Allen, the drafting of Evan Mobley. Um, yeah, look, taking a flyer on talent is totally fine. But how how do you see this Lowry Markinen acquisition? Is it just a case of we're getting someone who is talented and we'll see where it goes, rather than the way that, that I guess I said, and that you're investing probably a little bit too much in the, uh, the four and five positions? Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting... Question. I tend to agree more with you because I, I think I've never been a big Laurie guy, 
right? Like I've never been a particularly huge, huge believer in what he is. There's only one skill that I think he's definitely better at than Larry Nance Jr. Um, and that would be three point shooting, right? Like he's, he, the Cavs need that. They've not been a good offensive team. Their spacing has been quite bad uh, the last couple of years. So like, I, I think like that is a thing that makes sense. If you're going to say, okay, we needed shooting. Let's go get him. But he's a worse defender worst rebounder, worst passer. Like, I don't know what else he's really providing. And it is a lot of money for a guy that seemingly didn't have, like, a big market this summer. And, yes, like, he's younger. Um, I, I think, like, the heart and souls of Vinance can be overstayed a little bit just because, like, he is from the area and everything. And I, I think, like, it was clear in his open letter that he penned that, you know, he did want to go somewhere where hit the winning was kind of going to be a more immediate thing for him. So, like, I get it from a talent play. But, like, is Laurie Markkinen worth – he's going to make, like, 15-something a year – is he worth like $13 million a year more than Dean Wade? I don't I don't know. And like that makes this sort of like a tricky thing. And again, to give him four years, even if the last year has some non-guarantee, it, it's steep to me. I, I think it's a little bit of an overpay, but I, I can understand how they get there, even if I don't know if I would have done the same thing here. I don't believe this, but I'm going to throw it out there because some people do seem to think that, is that the fact that they drafted Evan Mobley number three, and then they went on to spend $100 million on Jared Allen and then $60-plus million on Larry Markkinen. Is, that, is there any indication there that they're like, oh, we're not sure with Evan Mobley? Maybe we're a little bit you know, just hedging our bets on that position that we're not... Yeah, is he the center of the future? Oh, well, you've just spent $100 million on Allen. Or can you play power forward? Well, you've just spent 60 plus on Markkinen. Is there any... Is there any truth to the people that might be viewing it that way? I think it's crazy to be thinking about that in terms of of Mobley. I think I if you're looking at it in terms of like what the future may hold, it's okay. Like let let's see where Mobley gets. Let's give ourselves two options of guys in house that we can maybe pair with him once we figure out what exactly he is. I think I tend to think Allen's a much better player. I think Allen will could maybe not like in three years is will maybe not be the better fit if Mobley adds weight and it kind of develops into a five, but. I think it's the idea of like, okay, we want to get two kinds of bigs to play next to Mobley, who could be our generational franchise guy, and then see in a couple of years which one fits. And then, you know, maybe one of the contracts runs up. Maybe you can trade one of them. Like, I think that's it. I think the Cavs, despite talking about like wanting to take a big, big step forward, I think internally, and I think they, they believe internally, and I think looking at them, I still think this is a team that is still trying to slowly level itself up here more than making a big leap. So I, I think they're trying to plan a little bit for the future in this move, as crazy as that sounds, considering how much money um, is, is attached to, to Mobley's deal, or to, excuse me, to Markkinen's deal. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really have any, any sort of issues in terms of that regarding Mobley. I don't think that that is any sort of indication there. I think possibly or probably long-term, the better fit will be Markkinen and Mobley, just yeah. because Mobley will play center. He's provides some duplicate skills to what Allen does in terms of rim protection, but he's a better passer. He's more dynamic. And then having Markkinen as a spacing threat, I think if that ends up working, you uh, Mobley can cover some of Markkinen's defensive issues. Whereas again, you're sort of duplicating that with Allen out there and not bringing the shooting ability, but we will see how that all goes. But of course, you know, re-signing Allen, drafting Mobley, bringing in Markkinen in that sign and trade. What it does, you know, where does this leave Cavs legend and um, notoriously <laughs> notoriously pissy veteran Kevin Love? Like, what's his future? Because you know, the the uh, Jeff Schwartz, his agent, leaking to uh, Woj over the one leaking, just flat out telling him, no, we haven't engaged in yeah. buyout talks. There's sixty million dollars left for two years for Love. Like, what what is his future hold? Is he going to get Jr. Smith this year and just say, Kev, just don't don't worry about it. We'll pay you. Don't don't bother coming in. Will they buy him out? Will they send him out for a second round pick? Like, what's happening with Kevin Love? 
I tend to think that the Jeff Schwartz of it all and like him saying like there's no interest is really just about money. So yeah. like I tend to think that the reality for both sides is that I think a buyout just makes the more sense, the most sense, right? Like I, I tend to think that the biggest thing that would make sense for Kevin, like he's already made a lot of money. He's not going to have to give back all of the $60 million he's gotten from Cleveland. I or is owed from Cleveland, excuse me. I think the reality here is that like he's almost 33 He's got a very short window, depending on what his health is going to be like for him to sort of uh, figure this out. And I, I look at this and I think, OK, like this is posturing. So com- by, for comparison, I think the only obvious comparison point here is the Blake Griffin situation last year, just because that's like the only th- this is sort of a new development with like guys on these big contracts and the buyouts of it all. So Griffin last year, 75 million left when he was bought out, gave back 13.3. So that's a little bit under 18%. So if Love were to give back 18% of his contract, $10.8 million would would he have to go to still get paid 50-something for Cleveland. I mean, maybe they're trying to angle it for like a little bit less than that to give back less and just keep more. Like the deal for Cle on the Cleveland side of things, I think is already very clearly just a massive mistake. It has eaten up cap room that they could have used this summer to chase needed wing help in like a Josh Hart or something like that. Like I tend to think Kevin would be happier in Brooklyn or with the Lakers or with the Blazers, funnily enough. Like, and it's just about finding the figure that makes most sense for everyone. I don't know if this goes into the season. I would be blown away if there's a trade because I just don't know where you're you're trading him, really. Like, I don't know who is like unless Sam Presti is gonna do something with you, like where else is he really going at this point? I think a buyout ultimately is just gonna be what this comes down to. But Kevin it would seem is kind of indicating, Hey, like I'm going to get out of here with the most amount of money I can before I agree to a buyout and, and not give away a bunch of money. Just, just because you, owe, you like, frankly, the Cavs like you, you agreed to pay me this money. Like I'm going to take all of my money. And I kind of applaud that honestly. Yeah. Like, he's, he shouldn't be in any rush to do it. It's like, okay, don't play. We'll pay you play. We'll pay you Look, whatever it is. Like he's in that, position they offered him the contract he signed the contract it does feel like it's not something necessarily that's going to get resolved before the beginning of the season maybe we're still you know a couple of months away from that but i feel like it's going to be something that drag drags into december it, yeah and just with kevin like i don't think he would be ha- like i just can't imagine this like especially with larry gone and him and larry were was one of the guys that he played with when he's in delhi is obviously back in australia now as well kevin is the last guy from the 2016 title team left yeah. he is there's no one else from the 2018 team that made the finals left. Like, I don't think he has like deep connections with this roster at this point. I think pretty, that's pretty evident. So like, I, I kind of think the reality for him is like, I don't think there's a lot left for him here. And aside from, aside from the money, honestly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure look there and $60 million is a, is a big, uh, big enticement. I, there is I, no doubt. Yeah, I would like sixty million dollars. I'll, I'll, I'll like, pass that on to David, and uh, we can we can have a chat about getting you a yeah. Maybe you extension. maybe you and I can split sixty. Like we'll just kind of like you know, I'll, like David, look, you give it to, instead of sixty to two people each sixty piece, we'll just take a thirty. It's great. Easy, easy done. Negotiation sorted. Chris, you'll have it all for us over on Locked on Cavs. So if you want to hear the news on Kevin Love, whenever something does go down, Chris and Evan will have that over on Locked on Cavs. Thanks for jumping on Locked on NBA with me, Chris. Josh, always a pleasure.
With all the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you can need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So let's bring him in now, one of the hosts of the Locked On Lakers podcast, Andy Kamenetsky is here with me. Andy, the Lakers, we haven't spoken on Locked On NBA about much of the Lakers offseason. We'll talk about that in a second, but the latest news appears to be that within the next 24 to 48 hours that Rajon Rondo will be rejoining the Lakers after being bought out from the Memphis Grizzlies, following on with a trend of the offseason in bringing back either players who are 30-plus, maybe 32-plus, and players who contributed in a reserve role for the 2020 title team. Rondo struggled for the Atlanta Hawks last year. He struggled for the Clippers in the playoffs as well. And now he is coming back here, it looks like, to the Lakers. Is this? Is there any part of this that is Rob Polinka, I guess, not clutching at straws, but like hoping that that magic run where Rondo was really good in that stretch in the playoffs, he was bad at other times in the season and the season before he was, he was pretty poor. Is it him trying to sort of recapture that magic there? Where does he fit in this rotation? Because there is Russell Westbrook. They signed Kendrick Nunn. Is Rondo a emergency type point guard? Is he going to be a big part of this team? What is the actual plan here, do you think? Um, I don't expect Rajon Rondo to have a major role with this team. Um, I mean, when you take a look at the guys who qualify as either ball handlers on this team or backcourt guys, or in certain cases, both, you've got LeBron and Russell Westbrook who are obviously going to get major minutes in terms of guys who run the offense, handle the ball, set up other guys, et cetera. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, I think in terms of what happens on the court and also financially, considering he was the biggest um, contract that they took on of anybody not named Russell or Westbrook, it, it feels to me like it would be pretty irresponsible and kind of strange for Rondo's presence to cut into Nunn's minutes. Um, they obviously – have committed to Taylor Horton Tucker and believe in his potential. And he's somebody, at, at least right now, who is much more valuable with the ball in his hands than playing off ball. He actually showed a, a fair amount of promise, not just driving to the rim as a scorer, but actually starting to facilitate for guys. And for the time being, Kent Bazemore is the best uh, defensive guard that they have. And, and he's arguably the best two-way role player um, among backcourt guys, unless Kendrick Nunn uh, takes another step forward, or I guess maybe THT. But the larger point being, there there aren't a lot of pressing available minutes, at least on paper for Rondo. He, he strikes me as more somebody that would be situational in terms of the way that he's used, whether, you know, whether because guys are unavailable, but I also think maybe he could be somebody that helps settles game down, uh, settles a game down. Like if things are starting to get a little bit wonky or out of control, you bring in somebody like Rondo who can learn any system in like 15 minutes, assuming there's anything that's you know demonstrably different than when he was there a couple seasons ago. He's very good at putting guys in the right places. You know, you put him in for about 10 minutes, and that's it. And that might be it. 
for a few games. I, I would be surprised, you know, never say never. I'd be very surprised if he was told that he would have even close to as significant a role as he had in 2020. To me, he's pretty much coming in to almost fill the Jared Dudley type role to be you know, the older yeah. player who can direct guys from the bench. Hey, get in this position, do this. This is how we're running things. Yeah, help work with, I was going to say work with the young guys. Not that there's many young guys on this team, but Horton Tucker and Nunn specifically, those younger ball handlers. Malik help, Monk. Oh, Malik Monk as well. You have to help guide those players because this Lakers team probably had 12 rotation guys before the Rondo uh, signing with you know, someone out of a Monk, Baysmore, Allington that probably wasn't going to have to play every night anyway and adding that extra guy to the mix. But it does bring back Rondo who had a strong run as a backup point guard in the 2020 title team. Dwight Howard comes back as the backup center again, or most likely the backup center, as he was in 2020. So just bringing those guys back. Um, and you're transitioning into the Dwight Howard situation. Is there any update on Marcus Gasol? Because there's some talk now that maybe he, he said he was coming back, but maybe he doesn't. Um, I haven't heard anything specific, and it might be one of those things that, you know, there, there could be a few factors at play. You know, how much of this is... The Lakers perhaps looking to move Marcus All. I, I know about a month or so ago, uh, Ramona Shelburne on uh, 710 ESPN had talked in not extremely specific terms, but about a potential deal on the table that would have involved moving Alex Caruso and Marcus All, I believe, to the Timberwolves. And it sounded more complicated uh, in actuality than what she described. But it, the, the larger takeaway to me was just the idea that. Marcus all theoretically could have been moved for nothing. Um, you know, it could be a matter of him perhaps looking towards retirement or looking towards ending his career in Spain. It also could be him maybe thinking that his role with this team isn't going to be what he wants or that defined. I, I don't think he is a terrible fit for the starting lineup a, as I envision it. And I, I think he is currently penciled in a, as the starting center. But I don't think he's a great fit either in terms of the tempo that this team would look to run at. I, I think they're going to be looking to really stay in transition a lot. That's when the 2020 championship team was at its best. You know, Obviously, that's not um, uh, the wheelhouse of Mark Gasol. I also think that some of the things that he does well, or at least theoretically well, aren't at the same premium this season. Um, when you take into account all the shooters that the Lakers brought in, uh, Mark Gasol's floor spacing doesn't necessarily carry the same weight, especially because he's often a pretty reluctant shooter anyway. Like I, I don't know how big of a of a spacing threat he represents when he often passes up shots. Like until he starts shooting with more regularity, if I'm a defense, I will take my chance leaving him at least semi-open or hedging towards Anthony Davis or somebody else, then automatically assuming he's going to put up that shot. And then when you've got LeBron and Russell Westbrook and to a lesser but I think still tangible degree, Anthony Davis, Marc Gasol's playmaking doesn't have the same urgency to it. And we, we saw that last season to some extent with Dennis Schroeder in, in the starting lineup with Marc Gasol. And Dennis Schroeder isn't close to the playmaker that Russell Westbrook is. So, you know, I, I think there's probably some ambiguity right now on a lot of different fronts in terms of where Mark Gasol exactly fits in with this team. I think also a part of that would have to be Mark's, um, I don't know, not so hidden uh, disappointment at his role being minimized. And oh, yeah. Benched yeah, with Andre Drummond coming in last year. He was not happy at all. So I think that there is maybe some posturing. It's like, 
the guys like I'm, I'm not I'm not here for this. I didn't like sure. what happened. Um, I'm not coming back for a small role. If you're going to do this again, I'll, I'll see you later. And that's going to be something to, to monitor. But again, the Lakers uh, can always just start Anthony Davis in his best position at center, and uh, and then there's no problem there whatsoever. Andy. Locked on Lakers, you'll be covering all of the news, Rondo signing, what happens with Gasol, what else happens with this team over the off-season, five days a week. So make sure you are subscribing over there. Thank you for coming on Locked on NBA with me. Yeah, thanks. Anytime. And that does it for today's episode of Locked on NBA. Make sure you're following this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. You can also find Locked on NBA over on YouTube. So go and subscribe over there. Give us a thumbs up, leave a comment, ring the notification bell, and you'll never miss one of these episodes. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.